outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on Seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. Oh, 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 O'Reilly! Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Welcome to Wired to Hunt's Rut Fresh Radio, bringing you the latest reports from the Whitetail Woods. And now, your host, Spencer Newharth. This is episode 490 of Wired to Hunt's Rut Fresh Radio, powered by First Light. And this week, we're talking about the secondary rut. Welcome to Wired to Hunt's Rut Fresh Radio. I am Spencer Newharth, and this week I am joined by nobody, whereas I would normally be joined by Tony or Mark. Um, This week I am sitting in my pickup in the middle of nowhere in Texas, struggling to find internet or time to make this podcast, so I'm doing it by myself in the driver's seat of my truck. Now, if one of those guys were here, What we would talk about is the secondary rut. If you're not familiar, the secondary rut is when the does who didn't get bred in November come into estrus a second time. This takes place exactly one month after peak breeding, which is early to mid-December for most of the whitetails range. This is also when you have young of the year fawns who will enter their first cycle. Now bucks know this and they act accordingly. The secondary rut doesn't get the same fanfare as like the OG rut, and that's to be expected. The December rut is quite subdued. Um, For me, and what I've seen is that buck movement is more like pre-rut than peak rut when you have a secondary rut happening. Rather than bucks traveling wide open areas at midday like they do in the best days of peak rut, you'll find them staying on food just a bit later in the morning or getting out of their beds a bit earlier in the afternoon like what you see during the best days of pre-rut. Secondary ruts tend to be most intense in neighborhoods where there's an unbalanced buck-to-doe ratio. So if there are significantly more does than bucks in an area, the bucks simply won't be able to breed all the does the first time around, creating a stronger rut in December. I've also heard wise white tailors say that if an area had a lot of standing corn present in mid-November, that a lot of the doe is going bred simply because of the lack of visibility that happens during the rut. This isn't something I've necessarily noticed, but the theory to me does make sense. Now, when it comes to hunting the secondary rut, I have never considered the secondary rut as something that you really target or you plan for. 
Um, and for the average white tailor, that's usually going to be the case. The secondary ruck can just be like a little sweetener. It's a cherry on top. If you have a traditional late season setup where you're hunting over like a picked cornfield um, and the weather is your typical late season weather and it's forcing deer to be on that food source, ideally you're going to have some does there. And if there's do- there's does there, then maybe a buck is going to show up a little bit sooner than he would have before. Or he's going to come in and and check out those does and move a bit more erratically in a field and maybe draw closer to you than what you would normally see. That's just sort of like what the secondary rut has always been for me. And I think that's how it is for a lot of late season hunters. And that secondary rut is going to be a theme during this week's interviews. This week, you're going to hear from Nate Crick from Identical Draw in Kansas, Taylor Chamberlain from Tethered in Virginia, Joe Call from Minnesota Rackstars in Minnesota, and then Jared Larson in Arkansas from Onyx. But before we get to those interviews, I want to remind you about our series one week in November over on YouTube. Episode four just aired, and we're also doing a one week in November giveaway on the meateater.com. That only goes for about another week or so, so you need to go sign up. It's probably our biggest whitetail giveaway of the year. There's tons of good stuff from First Light, Vortex, Benchmade, Tethered. All of the stuff that you see us using in one week in November is going to be included in that giveaway package. Go to TheMeatEater.com to sign up for that. It's free. It's easy. All you have to do is enter your email address, and you're going to be in the running to win our biggest whitetail package of the year. All right, let's get to our interviews. All right, and joining us on the line next is Nate Crick from Identical Draw in Kansas. Now, Nate, in Kansas, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? I would give it a 6 lately. Um, that is a kind of a generous number because the uh, temperatures have been real warm. Um, we've had um, some 60-degree days. I'm pretty sure it hit 70 um, this last week as well. Um, but honestly, the activity has been okay, and I've been very surprised about the uh, morning uh, daylight activity with some bucks we've had around. In the past, Nate, you've described to me that you guys often see a December shift on your property in Kansas. What does that mean for you guys? Big ticket at this time of year where we see that December shift is we leave um, standing food, standing crops on our field. We uh, don't harvest any corner beans. So we've got um, a few acres of standing food that the deer really come to this time of the year. And it does draw in a whole new batch of um, bucks and just a bunch of does as well um, from neighboring properties that don't have that food source. So, um, yeah, we definitely have that going this time of year. And it's kind of like December can kind of be like the rut on our our 80 acres because we just see a bunch of deer that we have never seen before during the other time of the year. When you get those new bucks showing up in December, does that mean anything for sign making on your property? Um, not necessarily sign making. I, I was walking around and I saw like the scrapes, some, some scrapes are still getting, um, freshened up here and there. They look, they look like things are still getting hit, but, um, not, not as big on the sign making things like that. But if we, when we do get those new bucks, we do try to just make a quick jump down there and try to hunt them while they're around. Some, some will hang around and some will just kind of do a stroll through. What does a morning setup look like for you guys this time of year? Mornings are hit or miss. I bet we hunt maybe half of the mornings. Um, but actually the only good thing these warm temps have been doing for us at least is 
it's been giving the morning activity life, which I, I think when it's like real, real cold in the morning, I feel like um, the, the deer activity more goes to like a really good evening hunt. But um, the morning activity has been actually pretty decent. And um, it's all it's all timber and bedding still, kind of like almost like the route we're hunting good funnels from food and bedding. Um, but yeah, our, our as far as like trail cameras go to our timber um, and bedding trail cameras are really, really active in the mornings. On the Kansas AD, do you guys notice any kind of a shift in bedding when you get into late season? Um, it's it's pretty similar, um, although it is a little more focused around the food source. We will, um, just because the deer will be closer to those corn and beans, like the traditional really thick stuff that they'll use for rutting kind of anywhere on our 80, we do know that they hug a little tighter to that food source and stuff because I think they will just get up during the middle of the day, especially if it's cold. And just head out to that food source and then head just, I don't know, 10, 20, 30 yards back into the timber and bed down until um, the evening hours when they'll pop back out in that food source. If you guys are doing some in-season scouting this time of year, what are some things that you're looking for? Yeah, so um, I guess we we don't have a bunch of like fresh sign right now that like you'd kind of be looking for in the October, November time frame. But right now, um, we are mainly paying attention to large trail systems coming from food or like to food somewhere along those lines like they'll be pretty beaten down this time of the year where those deer are heading and um as those usually the food sources are are top of the mind for the critters so a lot of the scouting will be walking field edges and seeing really where they're they're going to those food sources and then make your setup pinch down to those areas going forward then in this next week or so what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to ten in Kansas? I'd probably say about the same, right around a right around a six. Um, temperatures are going back up. We had a two day cold snap here, um, but now they're going to be back in the the fifties and sixties. But um, deer still going to be moving. They're still going to be hitting food sources, I believe. So I mean, you might be able to still get on uh, on a buck this time of the year. So um, still still staying hopeful. All right, Nate. Good luck to you and your brother. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Spencer. All right, and joining us on the line next is Taylor Chamberlain in Virginia from Tethered. Now, Taylor, in Virginia, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? On a scale of 1 to 10, we've had about a 7 of buck activity. We've really started to see uh, the peak of the second rut. So all those does that were not bred the first go-around are really popping right now and so the bucks are out cruising and i'm starting to see tons of deer uh daylight hours all day long and and they're really kind of just searching for the next hot doe to get on historically do you always expect to see a strong secondary runt in an urban area yes so we see a really 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 strong secondary and third uh rut just because of our buck to doe ratio is so high that um, it's just not possible to breed all the does off the bat. So they come in a second time and oftentimes a third time. And then even sometimes those newborn fawns will come in uh, four months past like the quote unquote uh, first rut. So we see pretty strong rut activity in December, January, and I've even seen some chasing into February. What are some food sources that are relevant in an urban environment in the East right now? So I look for very high stem count areas. Um, So a lot of like brushy thickets tend to be great this time of year. That's where a lot of does are hiding because they're going to be messed with. 
but also anywhere there where, where there's been a large abundance of red oaks, they tend to be really palatable right now. Um, I think that the tannins that are in them kind of dissipate a little bit after they've been on the ground for a little while. So those red oaks tend to get pounded, but I really, really look for big, thick, brushy bottoms. And if they have like a lot of thorns and thickets in them, the deer will like to kind of nibble on those buds. And that is just could not be hotter this time of year. Does your mobile hunting setup change for you as we get into the late season? Yeah. So I hang and hunt everywhere I go. Uh, that's kind of a dual prong reason why one in areas where I used to leave climbing sticks up, I found myself being lazy and kind of hunting that tree rather than hunting the right tree to be in. Um, so I took all my climbing sticks down, forced myself to hunt the correct tree. Uh, and then secondarily, the reason that is because I don't want any sign of a hunter back there. I mean, this time of year, when there are no leaves on the trees, there's no foliage, it's really, really easy to spot those black straps on trees. And I don't want to leave any sign for both other homeowners to see that there's hunting going on, but also for other hunters to see, because if other hunters see those spots, then maybe they might think, well, hey, if a hunter's already hunting there, then I can go get permission on that property much easier than another one. So I, a couple of years ago, removed all of my preset locations. I just hang and hunt every time. Uh, and I have plenty of trees that are prepped and cut out and ready to go, but they just don't have the sticks in them. When we have the secondary rot happening, do you notice an uptick in sign making at all? I do. Scrapes are, are still a very, very hot commodity because, you know, that's how those deer are communicating. And so bucks are going to always kind of go to those scrapes. They're going to try and, and see what's in the area and uh, a lot of rubbing as well. But outside of that, I also know that those deer are trying to use scent to their advantage. And so I'm hunting in areas that might be near a scrape or near a primary scrape, as well as to where a buck might want to cruise to scent check an area. And that is just a, a killer setup for this time of year. Where are you running your trail cameras right now? I'm running my trail cameras in those locations. So I want to find uh, like a scrape and then maybe a travel path to and from that scrape or or maybe two or three um, trails that kind of intersect at one location because that's the highest probability for mass deer movement. What I'm trying to do is inventory not only the deer that are using those spots, but the time that they're using them. You know, a spot's no good to me if a deer is using it at 2 o'clock in the morning. It's really good to me if they're using it at 9.30 in the morning or 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So I try to position my cameras where... I can get the most intelligence, not only in the time of day that they're using, but also what deer are using it. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to 10 in Virginia? I think we're going to be at seven or an eight, man. I mean, we're, we're not full wide open like we were November 7th, uh, but we're going to be pretty darn close. So I think that we're, if, if you're able to hunt, you need to get out in the tree and, uh, and get ready because it's a great opportunity to put a deer down. If you can find where a cruising buck is overlapping with a feeding area, uh, you're going to see arguably better deer movement than you were in early November. This is one of my favorite times of year to put a deer down. All right, Taylor, good luck the rest of your season. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. All right, and joining us online next is Joe Call from Minnesota Rack Stars in Minnesota. 
Now, Joe, in Minnesota, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? Well, I would have to say it was probably around uh, 7 with this nice cold front we had come through. Uh, I heard some guys seeing some good buck activity, and then also uh, I saw a nice picture of a buck that was harvested here uh, a day ago. So that, that cold front that just come through really got the deer moving. But, uh, you know, it's, it's supposed to warm up here a little bit, which will make things a little more difficult. But uh, currently here, I mean, activity has picked up a little bit. I know you run a lot of trail cameras there. Where do you want those placed in early December? I actually just moved one um, to a scrape. Uh, it's it's a, a scrape that is there year after year, and I actually just moved it there, and I picked up a, a two-and-a-half-year-old that I've, that I've had on camera, but I haven't had him on camera since uh, the gun season here, but I moved it over there, and, and I picked him up on camera. So I think, uh, you know, you kind of want to keep them on those scrapes, yet they're still hitting those scrapes. Whether it's the bucks looking for, you know, some of those does that are going to come into asterisk here yet, um, or just, uh, you know, you might catch a, a cruiser coming through as well. But I think, uh, you know, one of the main things I would focus on is, is scrapes and obviously your food sources too. Um, the only thing with the food sources, you might be getting, uh, a few more, you know, night pitchers, but I think if you're focusing on trying to harvest a buck, I would, I would probably transition those, those cameras to those scrapes. And what food sources are relevant right now? I think, you know, King is, is, uh, corn and beans, I believe, along with, uh, mixing brassicas. I love always mixing in, um, those brassicas with, with my corn and beans. But I know a lot of guys have been saying that, uh, there's been a lot of, a lot of deer hitting, hitting the corn and beans, especially with that cold front, like I was talking about, just come through, but I've had a lot of success late season, you know, on, on those particular food sources. In December in Minnesota, do you notice better movement in the mornings or afternoons? You know, it's the, I've had some success, you know, seeing some good mature deer on their feet uh, in the mornings, but I think more or less uh, that might be because somebody else was out hunting and might have pushed them a little bit. I would focus more on the evenings, um, but the only thing is in the evenings, um, I, would, I would try to get into some cover if possible. I know everybody's hunting setup is, is different, but uh, if you have an opportunity, you know, I would, I would mainly focus on like a transition area, if anything. Um, it's just that those deer, you know, it's, it's survival mode for those guys right now. And, and, uh, we just finished up with our, our firearm season and now muzzleloading season is open and, and those deer, I mean, they're on pins and needles right now and they're going to do whatever it takes to survive. And, and the big boys, they know that they can't step out, uh, you know, in, until dark. So, you know, if you're going to focus on trying to harvest something, I would, I would definitely get off the food sources, you know, a couple hundred yards and try to intercept something there. Do you usually notice a shift in bedding this time of year? Yeah. So I was actually talking to a buddy of mine and, uh, he was out this last week and he hopped up in a stand specifically. He went on a south side slope where he could see a ways and he caught a buck. As soon as he got up in a stand, he was bedded on a south side slope. So come December here, you know, focus more on those south sides if possible, or if you have you know, a spot in your timber that might be, you know, open where some sunlight can get through, you know, those might be good bedding areas now um, for those deer, you know, come December here in colder temperatures. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to 10 in Minnesota? Man, I, I, I looked at the, the forecast, you know, the upcoming forecast and, and I just don't see anything really to, you know, kick things into high gear, but you know, like we were talking about just 
you never know if that that doe is coming into asterisk yet in your area and if so i mean you're gonna attract some bucks but um you know one thing i looked at is saturday it's supposed to be sunny you know it's supposed to be cloudy throughout the week here um if if i were to pick a day to go out i would maybe shoot for for saturday if it's going to be sunny in your area and maybe you're going to catch some some of those deer you know enjoying that sunlight but I mean, to be honest with you, my, my guess is probably going to be around a five. I mean, I don't think it's going to be any higher or less, um, you know, just with the, the temperatures kind of leveling out here in, in December, usually us as hunters, we want cold temperatures in the North and, um, you know, we're just not going to get those temperatures, but anything that happened right now, like I said, if you can catch a, a doe and estrus, um, you know, good things might happen for you. All right, Joe, good luck to you and everyone else from Minnesota Rack Stars. Thanks for joining me. Sounds good. Thanks, Spencer. All right. And joining us on the line next is Jared Larson from Onyx in Arkansas. Now, Jared, in Arkansas, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? So I just finished up a hunt in Arkansas yesterday, actually, and I would rate it as maybe like a 3 from my experience in the camp I was in. I was hunting with uh, five other guys, so we had plenty of guys in the woods, and we were running public. And then we gained some access to private for two days on the public. I'd have rated it as a one. Um, and on the private, probably like five. Um, and so really it was a, an evening game for us. We had some really hot weather. In fact, I believe it was record high temps, uh, on like December 2nd and 3rd, we hit like 76. Um, so anytime that you're in record highs, especially late in the season, like that, it's, it's going to be some tough sledding, but, uh, you can't kill me if you're not out there. Did that mean a shift to focusing on water for you guys, or did you still focus on late season things like food? Yeah, so we, we definitely tried a, a couple different tactics. I, I sat over a pond one evening. We tried to find like cool north-facing slopes that would have good potential uh, bedding areas and just trying to get in real tight. We figured it was going to be more of an evening game. Didn't have much confidence in mornings at all just because of the temps and deer really not needing being as much. Uh, we are in the Northwest part of Arkansas. So that has a more traditional rut, you know, kind of that Halloween, the first couple weeks of November. Now I, I did know some guys that were down in like the Delta in the Southern and Eastern parts of uh, Arkansas that had much better action than we did as their rut is more, you know, kind of peaking right in the early part of December here. Um, but yeah, with those hot temps, we are focusing on, cool places, really getting in tight to bedding. Um, and then in the evenings, you know, just finding what food source deer were hitting and on public, you know, there was a ton of acorns where we were, but they really didn't seem keyed in on that. So that really led our shift to go find a chunk of private land as we were seeing a pile of deer, you know, mostly does coming out into, you know, just pasture land, hay fields. Um, and so that's really the last two days we spent on private land, just trying to find those cool north facing bedding areas uh with close proximity to a hayfield and, and getting in tight so in northern arkansas what would you label this phase of the rut as right now oh i would definitely label it as post rut um you know one of the guys in camp definitely saw a couple bucks that were out seeking so potentially finding those second cycle estrus does you know given about a month back from that that peak rut, you know, peak breeding day of, you know, what they claim as November, early November there. Um, so certainly some, you know, second estrus does could be running around. 
Uh, but I would definitely categorize it as, as post rut. If you're doing some digital scouting on Onyx in the South in December, what are some things that you're keying in on? So a few things I would be looking for is I'd really be turning on our topography uh, base map. So as you said, if it's hot, uh, find water, but otherwise find those good bedding areas. And we've added a couple of recent layers. Um, if you go into your My Layers tab and over to Layer Library, uh, you can turn on the tree species and habitat types maps. It's a new layer. It's going to show you where acorn producing oaks are, where thermal cover is. So depending what situation you're in, what kind of weather you have, and there's actually a really good cold front moving into the region uh, this coming weekend. Uh, so I would turn on one of our new layers with that tree species and habitat, habitat types and focus in on you know specific oak areas or finding that thermal deer cover, moving in tight to bedding between bedding and food and, and make it happen. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Arkansas? So just given the hot weather that has been present for the last week or so, um, and there's a major temperature change again, looks like it's coming in on Friday. So I would guess that bucks are going to be on their feet looking for those second cycle estrus does. I'm going to give it you know, somewhere between a 6 and a 7, and third time to go out there and, and punch a late season buck tag. All right, Jared, good luck with the rest of your season. Thanks for joining me. Appreciate it, Spencer. And that concludes this week's episode of Wired to Haunt's Rut Fresh Radio. Thanks to Nate, Taylor, Joe, and Jared for joining me. Thank you guys for listening. As a reminder, I want everyone to go watch episode four of One Week in November. There are only three episodes left after this. Those come out every single Tuesday. And after you watch episode four, go over to TheMediator.com and sign up for our one week in November giveaway. It is our biggest whitetail giveaway of the year. I will talk to you next week, and until then, stay wired to hunt. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase.